I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Ordinary Black Professionals. I'm Nicole. And I'm Stefan. And this episode, we wanted to dedicate it and talk a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement and how it's affected us personally and also affected us at work. This year has been the strangest year, the most unusual year ever. We have lived through a global pandemic. We're still living through it. We're still going through lockdowns. And we hope to keep living through it. Uh, yeah, and we ho- exactly. We hope to keep living through it. And we have all been heavily impacted by the murder of George Floyd, whether it's been personally or, or in our work lives. And we just wanted to use this episode today to, to talk about that. Mm. So we wanted to open it up and start the conversation talking about how we have personally been affected by George Floyd's murder and the follow-on Black Lives Matter protests that have been happening all around the world. So for me personally, it has felt all-consuming, especially kind of, you know, when the protests just started happening, social media was popping every day on the social something was going on some social media post was trending and it was it was just too much I couldn't I couldn't take it to be on the socials and looking at it every day talking about it at work with colleagues outside of work seeing it on the news it was just triggering it was too sad to consume all of that at once whilst also kind of living through a global pandemic as well Mm. Yeah, I think the George Floyd moment was just absolutely terrible. Um, as well, it was very overwhelming, you know, as a black man when you see things like that. I've seen so many videos of this happening in America and in the UK mm. of police brutality um, that it's starting to become desensitizing now. Mm. And um, when you see something like that, it really triggers you because you know, as a black man, that you know something like that. There's things that are going on right now in our society that we live in right here that that could be me, you know. Yeah. And um, it's hard to watch. I've got to a point now where 
you know, I, I'm not even interested in watching them anymore. No, I can't watch those videos. I just can't watch it. I don't think I have never even watched the full video of the George mm. George Floyd murder. Yeah, I, I've watched it. Um, and yeah, it's hard. At the time of recording now this episode, we are, you know, a few months. It's been a few months since that moment. Yeah, happened. we're towards the end of the year. Yeah, and um, and and now we're sort of reflecting on that and and reflecting on what was the outcome of all this stuff, mm. right? We know that the Black Lives Matter movement itself, or the uh, organization in the uh, US, was primarily built first on, it was primarily built first on uh, police brutality. And the police brutality movement that they were trying to stop you know it just it just keeps continuing and and we feel the fallout of that here because it hits us because there are so many statistics of the things that happen to black men and women in this country the you know the, the easy one that everybody points to is stop and search yeah it's just it's just a blatant discrimination of who are you looking at who do you think is a potentially you know, dangerous, dangerous person for me to stop and search yeah. you, or not even dangerous. I just want to stop, stop and, and search, search you. you. I and... mean, just to kind of throughout this episode, we're going to be dropping down you know, certain facts for people, and just to lay one on you right from the get go, black people are forty times more likely to be stopped and searched compared to their in the UK compared to their white counterparts. Mm. Um, I think we all know someone who has been stopped and search either you know, when they've been on foot or when they've been driving their car. My brother, for example, has been stopped and searched when he's been in his school uniform. So school uniform. In his school uniform five minutes away from his house. <laughs> so it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And so we all we all have stories like that. Um of where it's you know we've been personally affected or we know someone else who has and I think the the killing the murder of George Floyd has sparked such a sparked a flame inside people to really stand up and call out injustices and just be really vocal about what's going on in the black community in the UK in the US and and just elsewhere across the world. just across this just across the world, across the world. Yeah. yeah just across the world and it's really i think it's really been a call for action mm. not just for individuals black or otherwise you know our allies but also for companies as well loads of organizations as a result of the black lives matter protests have stood up taken action and have actively tried to do something in the right direction whether whether these were good steps in the right direction or not I think we're going to come and talk about that a bit later but there's been some kind of change in the way they're acting to be able to show that they are um, an ally for the black community hmm. so yeah so the, the this is born on police brutality right but this spark that you say is caused is now overflowing into black people really voicing how we feel in all sorts of other 100%. situations in our life, right? Yeah. And 
And I that has now spilled over to, um, you know, even the workplace. Yeah. And yeah. how um, companies are now having to respond to, to, to black people vocally saying how we are treated. We are treated. In these places. And we're not viewed as being equal. Yeah. Regardless of how you want to spin it, how you want to play it, what you, anyone wants to say, statistically, black people are not given the same opportunities in the workplace, we're not promoted in the same ways as, as our white counterparts, and we are not considered to be equal to our white counterparts in the workplace. And stats show and prove that time and time and time again. And it's not just the workplace where we're not viewed as being equal. It's places like the NHS as well. You know, black women are five times more likely to die from childbirth or complications as a result of childbirth than their white counterparts. Can someone please explain that? Why? Why is that? If that's not a result yeah. of racism and discrimination, I honestly don't know what is. Right. And that's shocking is that statistic if you're not shocked by that then there's something wrong yeah if that doesn't make you feel sick there's something wrong and discrimination racism isn't always blatant in your face and you know throughout my whole of my life i faced it too right but it's not always someone calling you the n-word yeah the n-word in your face or a monkey or or, go back to your home country or or any of that stuff which does happen on a regular basis but (laughs) we'll leave that to the side for now but it's also the subtleness, mm. especially in the UK, because we are the best at subtle, just subtle digs, discrimination. Yeah. We're the best at it. British but... people don't like to be, <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not in your face, are we? We like to be a bit more, yeah. <laughs> sneaky, a bit more sly, back, sneaky you know? about it. So um, when it comes to the workplace and dealing with that kind of attitude as well, in the workplace, the sneaky digs behind your back and, 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 and things that people are saying, the ideas that people are planting in other people's heads, the simple simple thing is you're difficult to work with. You know, something someone could just say that and it's now become a fact. Yeah. Despite someone not proving that fact. Yeah. It's now become a fact. Now you're difficult to work with. Now you're not getting any promotions. I agree, and, agree. Or you're really aggressive. Right. And there's a definition for all those terms, those subtle things that happen in the workplace that you can't you can't exactly call it racism, but there's something's not quite right and you, you maybe don't know the language for it. But the word for those in my, things in my opinion is racism, full stop. Well the well the word for those things are microaggressions. Yeah. So they're indirect often unintentional expressions of racism that come out as seemingly... Unintentional or intentional? Well, I, I think sometimes when people say things, they're not putting the dots together. So they just mm. come out and be like, oh, you're aggressive to a black woman. But, but they not don't know where they got that from. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you're not... They're not thinking of, well, where am I getting that connotation from that a black woman's angry? It's kind of, it's kind of like when you call a woman bossy. You need to understand why the use of that word bossy mm, is completely is unacceptable. Assertive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And a man just assertive. So sometimes these are these seemingly harmless, quote unquote, harmless comments um, that, that come out from people that can sometimes be quite well intentioned. Um, so some of those kind of microaggressions that many of you have probably heard of before said to yourself or said to a friend or know that has been said by somebody is can I touch your hair is your hair real stop using the race card 
I don't see colour when I look at you. What? Where are you originally from? Or here's my favourite, well, not my favourite, but here's one that I've heard Mm. quite a few times. You speak really well. Oh, my God. How many times have I had people say to me, Nicole, you speak really, really well. If I've ever spoken to somebody... I'm like... If I've ever spoken Hmm. to somebody on the phone, right, first... This always happens to me every time in my life. If I ever speak to somebody on the phone first and then meet them later in person... Oh, yeah, they're shocked. They are. They're, not only are they shocked, but they ask me... You, you say, you sounded different on you the phone. You sound different on the phone. It's the same voice coming out, you know. But, this is, but, but these... now I sound different because I look different. Exactly. Ah. These are these micro-questions. So they're coming out like they're well-intentioned. Like, oh, mm. I'm giving you a compliment. Mm. But what you really mean is you... You sounded, you sound so well-spoken. There is no way in my mind that I thought you were a black person mm. because black people don't sound like you. Nope. Black people aren't articulate, aren't, aren't, you know, don't, don't speak a certain type of way. Mm. And, and you know what? Which, Those exact words you said take me straight back to pictures of black people in segregation, in races, in, in, in slavery, things like that, because, oh, you can't even read and write, yeah, and things like that. The expect that, that's a, that's the picture it takes me back to when you say, "What? Why can't? Why you expect me to be that? What? You cannot expect me to be able to talk like you?" Yeah. Another one, another microaggression, which I've not heard. No one said this to me before, but I've one hundred percent have heard this said to other people: "Is your name is so unusual." Your name? Your name is so unusual. Your name is Nicole? Or, or your name... No, no, not to me. Oh. I'm saying I've heard this to other people. Or your right. name is so exotic. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is basically saying your name ain't English your or name, English yeah. sounding. But you don't say that to someone who is from Eastern Europe. I mean, if you... If you <laughs> like, give me a name, um, Ben. That's an exotic name. That's an exotic name to someone in Japan. You know what I mean? To someone in Africa or... Not even in Africa. But somewhere else. Somewhere, somewhere else. South Korea. Ben. Ooh, ooh, that's exotic. Where are you from? Yeah. You know what I mean? How that's if someone if if they showed up in Korea or somewhere and they said my name's Ben and they said, That's exotic, they'll be like, Excuse me? <laughs> totally <So>. agree. <laughs> and that's and that's what I think this like the Black Lives Matter movement, this this buzz. This energy that's come from the the killing of the murdering of of George Floyd is that companies are much more aware, as you said, as how black people, their black employees are not valued in the same way and how they're discriminated against. And those these microaggressions as well. And I, and I honestly don't think that I think companies were aware of it. I think most companies have a DNI function in some way, shape or form. I don't think that they were actively trying to engage with their black employees mm. and trying to make their experience better and trying to help them elevate and break the ceilings so they can hit those c-suite positions mm. they weren't doing that before the black lives matter buzz that was that started happening mm-hmm. kind of earlier this year it just wasn't happening i've n- i've not seen as much emphasis placed in that in the DNI realm as I'm seeing right now. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure that companies are really, have really changed what they're doing in DNI. Well, I, I don't Maybe think there, I there think some, some companies are giving lip service. 
I think acting like they've changed, whether they've actively yeah. done something. But I also think story. it's not even this, the case of them, uh, whether they're actively doing something or not. They first have to understand what the problem is, mm. right? And I think most of them don't understand the problem because the, the microaggressions that we talked about, a lot of people either don't see that as a problem, mm. you know, or they just don't understand it. Mm. Agree. There has to come. The I, I think companies have to do a few things. Have to talk to their black employees, and be open to hearing criticism. So, so you need to be at a place where you're kind of humble, humble first to mm. be able to be receptive to that information. And I know that there have been a few companies where um, where they've kind of done little mini focus groups with black employees to really understand what the struggles is. What what do you want to see more of? More of how can we be better as an organisation? Mm. And I think until that's done and you know, management or whatever companies are open to hearing that criticism and making a change, things won't happen. And then once you're open to hearing a change, that educational piece needs to happen. You know, there should be, people need to understand, black people included, exactly what a microaggression is and feel comfortable to a certain extent calling that out. No one in the workplace should be asking if I can touch a black person's hair. Or anyone's hair. Anyone's hair. It's just weird. Yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not an animal that you pet at a zoo. Like it's just so strange to even feel comfortable enough Go to, to ask that question and touch it in the packet. Yeah. It's it's like it's like you're so different, you're so other, that I must somehow touch that other differentness. Mm. It's the weirdest thing. And how many people have asked me, "Can I touch the hair?" I could count on it. Oh, I couldn't even count on my hand. It's been so many. Mm. Or people who just go in to touch my hair without even asking. Has happened to me before. (laughs) It's just bizarre. And that is a common story for all black women and men. You know, some men Mm. as well. Men who have like afros or like really long hair or dreads. Yeah. Or even bald bald head. They just want to touch your head. Like, touch your bald head. Weird. Men go go through that too. So... Yeah, I mean, Black Lives Matter movement is a good thing. Um, and out of it has come an outpouring of of pain and hurt and and uh, feeling that is affecting businesses, right? Um, and they're starting to hear how black people feel in the workplace, right? And even before, even before this movement, since the George, this movement's going been going on for years, by the way. But yeah. Since yeah. the George Floyd moment, um, even before then, like they did have DNI, right? And they were doing things in DNI. Some of these companies, right? I hope I hope most of them. I, but, I hope I hope. But some of these companies I, I... were doing things, and they were actively trying to hire more, uh, di- more, more black more talent, diverse people. Yeah. But they were doing it. Sometimes not even with the right intentions. Yeah. Right. Just and, go ahead. Yeah. Just to stop there, um, I think as well when we think of like, so I'm I'm a DNI diversity inclusion lead at my company. So this is a topic, or diversity inclusion is something that I'm extremely passionate about and absolutely love speaking about. But when we think of hiring diversely, we always have to remember it's like that's diverse in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. So there's no point hiring 
you know, loads of people who are black if they're all private school educated middle class. You need to make sure you hire people who come from different ethnicities, you know, people who have disabilities, people from different class, you know, social, social economic uh, statuses. Social classes is massive. Is massive. Yeah. Is massive. Massive. Because class being working or middle, up or whatever, that dictates so much of your experience of life. Yes. And it dictates so many opportunities that you can and cannot have all down to you know your your economic status right and 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 when i say they're not doing the right right intentions you know sometimes they they do have maybe the right intentions but they go about it the wrong way and mm. i think one of the things that they go about the wrong way is this thing bame b-a-m-e right i absolutely i do not like this thing at all black asian and minority ethnic so I don't like it because it puts all this massive group of people in a one box, yeah. right? So when you hire, now you've got two boxes you hire. You've got English or British slash white, that you, the person you expect to look a certain way. And then you've got BAME, right? But, and BAME, are comp- the, the thing with BAME is that the, the title is too, as you said, it's too broad. Right. You can't just, you can't just lump all BAME people together because there's so many differences that live within that. Yeah. Cultural differences, nuances, even even just by using the word black, mm. even underneath that umbrella term. We're you know, not you've all got, the same. Yeah, you've got black African, you've got black Caribbean, and then underneath that, you've got so many. You've yeah. got black Jamaican, you've got black Bajan, you've got black black St. Kitts, so on St. Lucia. It's just so diverse. Yeah. That even just to, so you you know if you struggle to even group black together, how could on earth could you gr- have can you group BAME mm. black and Asian and ethnic minorities like? And you know what they wouldn't do the same for their minority groups, right? So their minority groups would be like you've got white Irish. English and you've got white Irish and you've got white Scottish and then you've got like let's say Norwegian, right? Cultures are completely different and those wouldn't just they wouldn't mix the same way mm. and 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 obviously people are people people can get along and mix and things like that but there's so much cultural difference that it's a good thing if you have a mixture of these people it's a good thing for your company it's a good thing for the culture of the company to say we've got such a mixture of people we've got a mixture of thought you know of diversity through the business different people different backgrounds to give us an even understanding and even languages and things mm. like that and you have to remember that people from different backgrounds backgrounds they just bring different elements and perspectives and opinions and ways of thinking to the table that if you have a company which is very homogenous and thought that's exactly what you're going to get out you're not going to get different ideas you're not going to get innovative thinking because everyone thinks the same and there's no one to challenge any particular viewpoint because everyone thinks the exact same way so you need to have that that diversity there i think um but you also need to have a bit of i believe you need to have a bit of quantity and diversity because no good me being the only black guy well this well this is another thing i was going to ask you know we're talking about this this kind of uh, where companies aware of um discrimination and the black experience before 
the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, what is, just give a little bit about your experience of being black and in the workplace. Yeah, I mean... Do you work on, for a company that you are one of many or are you quite... I've always are you, are you very much working in, in predominantly white spaces? Yeah, I've always worked in companies where I'm one of the few. Most of the time, in like a lot of my past work and companies and stuff like that, I've been one of the what two or three or maybe the only one black person mm. in on the whole project that I'm working on and um, it's not a great experience it's experience that kind of silences you because um, your diversity of thought and your diversity of uh, of approach even the way that you communicate might be slightly different um, there are people who are black, but they are from, you know, maybe a Nigerian background or Ghanaian background, stuff like that. And they communicate in different ways, right? And the way in which you communicate is not understood or or they think you communicate weird, right? They just think What, because you, you're black? No, no, because the, of your cultural background, you communicate a different way, right? Let's say you're Nigerian or something like that. So you communicate But what about your way. experience? My yeah, my personal experience is, is, is the same thing, right? So I'm just saying... giving an example of of you communicating in a different way and then that's not being conveyed properly, that's not coming across, that's not understood by the other people on the project. So you're saying the way you come across to people isn't always understood to other people who yes. are not of the same ethnicity on the project? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um and so, you know, that happens. On, on projects you're also the only you're, you're the only one bound and stuff like that so you know the bantu is different things like that you, i didn't grow up in these with people that may be um in an environment where they are from an upper class background i didn't grow up the same way they did so the way they communicate in their banter and what their understanding of how to create a bond between the, the their friends and stuff like that is different to how I created bonds with my friends in my class. Yeah, you know, so um, it's 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 a bit isolating when you're the only person there, right? So my experience was to always just you know let me just focus on my work. Let me just focus on what I know how to do, and that's do good work mm. and stuff like that. So I made I always made that my goal, my most important thing to do. And um, in some ways it kind of worked out, but um, it wasn't always like comfortable experiences yeah. or, or enjoyable or stuff yeah. like that. And there are times when you think to yourself, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> it's time. I've... I need to leave this place. Yeah. I've definitely felt that way. I agree. You know, it's, I think what, so when I was in a bigger company, I, was always around someone who maybe not was someone who was black but someone who was you know an an ethnic minority group so I never felt like I was the only one on the project moving into a smaller company now there's a handful of black people in the company so I'm in a predominantly all-white space all day every day and I completely echo everything he said it's it's hard you know there's sometimes when you when you leave and you think Maybe I'm not meant to be here. Mm. Maybe this is, isn't for me. Because you, it's exactly what you said, you know, you're in 
I, my, you know, me personally, I grew up in Northwest London around a very mixed group of people, blacks, Asians, whites, and I'm used to interacting with people who have been brought up in the same way as me, who have the same music interests as me, who has similar terms of reference as me, who just, you know, get how I speak and we all are on the same equal playing field. But when I go when I go into work, yeah, the terms of reference just isn't there. For example, I went into work speaking about power. Yeah, the TV show. And no one no one knows what power is. Exactly. Or or I grew up watching (laughs) Sister Sister. Sister. People in my workplace don't know what Sister Sister is. They've never seen it. <laughs> and so even when you're trying to create a bond with people at work, you can't create that no. because they have no reference. You've got nothing to nothing. talk about. They've gone fishing and you've never even done that. Yeah. And they've gone skiing and you've never, never done, that. done that. So and the terms of reference are not are wildly different. If I was to go into work and say, Oh well, I went to go see Burner Boy in concert, they'd be like, Who's what's that? Burner Boy? Yeah. And this is no exaggeration. It would literally be who's Burner Boy? <laughs> I don't know no black person yeah. doesn't, who doesn't know who Burner Boy is <laughs> so it's, it is really really hard um, and, and and when you're you know when you're the, the diversity and inclusion lead you know it's hard as well because you kind of sometimes I'll think to myself oh, well, I'm, you know, am I in this role because I'm a bit of a token and that that thought has come come to my mind as well, but I have to remind myself, you know, the skills that I bring to the table and the fact that I am incredibly passionate about diversity and inclusion, and that is why I head up the function and the team to make sure that we have, you know, diversity and inclusion is woven into all the the, the decision making and the processes in the business. But but you know, it's hard. Can I say that every day it's easy being in all white spaces? No, that would be an absolute lie. Mm. Um, and as, as you think, we both said that the terms of reference is by far the the hardest thing. And having someone that you feel like you can gel with. So I'll give an example. When I was in my old company, in the, the, this big company, I used to work for a big FS bank um, or a big bank. And... Every day when I used to go up to the lifts to go onto my particular floor, I would bump across a few black people. I, they were the client. <laughs> I have no idea to this day exactly what they did. Yeah. And we would always say hi to each other and smile. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a man, an older man and a few other women. And sometimes me and the man would have a few conversations and stuff like, oh, how was your weekend? Yeah. I have there was no reason for us to, us to speak. He started smiling and saying hi to me. And the only reason we spoke is because we were both black. Mm. There was a commonality there. Yeah. And the same thing happened when we was on our honeymoon last year, we was in Vietnam and we were walking, you know, in one direction. We saw a black oh, yes. couple working, walking, to, walking towards us in the opposite direction. I think they were and we American. at the same time just said hi to each other. I know. <laughs> If they were a white couple, we wouldn't have said hi. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but they were like... And we didn't see any black people out there. We didn't so. see any. They were the only ones. Yeah. And they, they, we were the only black people they'd seen. Yeah. So we were like, 
And the fact that we both said it at the same time. I think they were probably American or something. I don't know. Where I don't know where from, they were from. But it was a high, we waved, there's acknowledgement, and we carried on walking. And it's that commonality that you get where you're like, I'm not alone. There's someone else here. Yeah. I deserve to be here. Yeah. Where, you know, you feel like you're valued. So so that's why I talk about, yeah, we need diversity. We need BAME and lots of different people in different categories. But we need... Um, inclusion. Yeah, we need inclusion, well, but we also need the numbers. As I say, it's no good if you're the only one. We need, need um, numbers. The, the, you know, the, the numbers of people in those groups, so we can form communities, and so exactly. because that's how it works in society, right? In realistic society, there's there's Indian and Pakistani and Caribbean, Jamaican societies, right? And and we come together, we do our thing. Because it's part of our culture, mm. right? And it doesn't mean that you're not part of the wider society. That's right. It just means this is this is a group where you have commonalities. Where so, you're, yeah, where you said you're, you're a community. I'm saying society is communities, yeah. But the thing is, is that to get those numbers in, especially for smaller companies, can sometimes be harder than you think it is. Maybe it because is, if you're small, if you're I, smaller, I believe... you have a smaller reach and a smaller budget. And in the UK, you so you can't you if you have a black and a white candidate, yeah. and they're both going for the same job, it's illegal for a company to just give that per in the UK to just give that person a job because they're black. You cannot do that. That's illegal. Yes, but it, but it, you can fine. specifically go to recruitment agencies that hire diversely and put your job in that. Mm. Um, in that company so there are companies out there but there's that are specifically companies... looking at how do we get black consultants or black individuals into consultancy you yeah, can yeah. put your post in you can advertise a job in that recruitment company but don't forget as well like maybe it may be difficult but you can also look for class and that diversity in class will help as well because it gives you a different diversity of thought. Somebody who grew up in a, a, a lower bracket of class will have grown up with maybe more diverse people around them and okay. will later on down the line will be recommended to that company, a diverse, you know, someone from another candidate. background. I or... agree. But then, see, then this is, so this is the sort of stuff that I am have lots of conversations with recruitment about. And it's tricky because how do you find these people from working class backgrounds? There's not a website where people sign up and go, <laughs> I'm working class. Yeah, but give me a job. I, I do feel like a so lot of companies... you have to find other routes to get in. A lot of companies, though, like, they are very... They only hire from certain places. They only want to hire from Oxbridge. They only want to hire from... Um, Russell Group, Russell Red, Group. Vic, Red Brick. You, you know what I mean? And, and that's... That's the first point of call. Yeah. If you're if you're looking for the the the, the bottom layer, the the grads, the the young people first coming in, right? Who's going to build your company later in the future? Then and then you go straight on looking for only Oxbridge and and Russell Group. Then you're, you're high... obviously looking for a class. Yeah. Right. Well, and... you know, you're not necessarily you're looking for a class. You are looking for a certain type of candidate, but. The people who go to Oxbridge or go to those red brick universities are disproportionately from yes. middle class backgrounds and therefore disproportionately middle and upper class, middle yeah. upper class and therefore end up being private school or boarding school educated. Yes. So it all has a knock on effect because the moment you can send your child to a private or boarding school, you're 
you have so much surplus income that you are just automatically work uh, middle class. Mm. Um, it's it's being cleverer. Companies need to be clever about the way that they hire talent and look at different ways that they can try to hire um, diversely. But what's so important that companies do is they take stock of what they currently have in their company. All organizations should be capturing um, monitoring data so they know who they have in their company so they can start benchmarking and working out are they how far do they need to go to have a truly diverse organization are they ticking all the all the um all the boxes or do they have a little bit of way to go so a good bit of research needs to be done in internally how many people how many different ethnicities do they have in the company how many people regard themselves to be male gender non-binary you should be collecting all that information you know sometimes and that that's the that's the job of the hr and then once you have that information then you can kind of do some research and understand okay so in london we may have you know whatever numbers it is however many numbers and with people in different senior positions how does that benchmark to other organizations of a similar size in london because if you do the maths and you work out that you've only got you know, you've got no senior women in c-suite positions but you benchmark and you realize well actually loads of companies of a similar size have five to ten senior women in senior positions then you know that your company is not diverse and and it's falling behind as an employee sometimes you need to opt into that information and i think people should do that like uh, my company they have a form where you put in your your next of kin and Mm. all that stuff right and also it says oh what ethnic background are you from and by default it says um you've not answered or yeah or prefer you can have yeah i prefer prefer not to say say or something but i put my ethnic background in there mm. because I want it to be recorded because I want them to understand how much of them are, we are so they've got the data and and if they want to make a real change they can make a real change mm. right they or they can move in that direction um without that data they won't even know what's going on yeah. in the company sometimes sometimes we need to opt into that I agree I agree but the companies also need to give you a choice. So the moment you become an employee for that company, they should have, they should be giving you a form that where you fill in that monitoring data. Mm. And if they're not, that's a problem. And that data should include your ethnic diversity, the sexuality that you define yourself as, or you identify as, and also your gender. And it should have the options of, of male, female, non-binary, prefer not to say. Like you should see all the different kind of options of ethnicities, genders, sexualities on there. And if you realize that they only say lesbian and gay, but they're missing all the others, you know, bisexual, um, pansexual, um, asexual, whatever it is, then that's, <laughs> that's a problem because I'm not being represented in the data. Yeah. How, how on earth can you, how on earth can you, you represent me and, and be able to know whether you need to hire, you know, different types of people if you don't have that data. And then most importantly, when you have got that diverse company, making a company that feels inclusive, I think a lot of the time what happens with black people is they go to these companies, big or small or whatever, and they don't feel like they, what we both said, don't feel like they belong. The culture is not represent, like 
there's a company culture that, but we don't see ourselves in it. We're not represented in it. There's a, there's a, there's a banter that we're not represented in it because no one's thought about us at all. And so you need to make a place where people feel comfortable and feel like they're included in the company. That's a big one. I think a lot of the time, black people are very much isolated from it. Sometimes when I'm looking for companies or something like that, um, recruiters say they've got a fantastic company culture, right? I look at it. I look at the website. The company culture does not include me. No. What that company culture can be, especially in the IT industry, right? Can be pool tables, um, drinks, beers on Fridays, uh, a colourful uh, open plan workspace, all that stuff, right? Mm. And people that will talk to you all throughout the day. But your website does not include anyone that looks like me. Yeah. Uh, you've got lots of pictures on your website, but not a single one that looks like me. Yeah. And that's so important. If you says that maybe a bit controversial here but if you look if you're putting up pictures where everyone in the company is white Mm. i won't be applying there i yeah pretty much (laughs) i when i was looking for a job if i'm researching and you haven't you've got this website and you haven't even bothered to think about diversity getting people that aren't just women into singing position you're not thinking about any other types of diversity and you are more than comfortable to put up a picture of all white people in the company and not show one person of you know one ethnic minority individual hmm. why would i want to work there could you clearly don't think about me yep. <laughs> yep. and there's such an um a, a, a quote that i use all the time at work and i can't remember where it originated from but the quote is that you need to be um arcs to the dance so therefore kind of invited into the company and then invited to dance so that means you need to be in once you get to the party you then need to be included in all the festive all the festivities and included in that dance you'd be asked them to your participated in it right. and you know i think that's just so important for organizations to really think about how am i including black people in that company and in that culture and it's, it's funny what you say about going for drinks now don't get it twisted black people will go to the pub and they'll go to the drink. I'm not saying that all rap people don't go to the pub. However, what I am saying is, whenever I've gone to the pub, I've never once seen a group of a group of black, predominantly black people in the pub. I see the odd black person with white friends or colleagues at mm. the pub. But I wouldn't say that the pub is where black people go to socialize. No, so I when you have how, companies be like, oh, play. it's not really, it's not, it's not really what I wouldn't yeah. say again. I mean, massive generalization. Yeah, there will be, be don't come for us because there will be people, black people who do go for, to the pub. Yeah. I ain't saying that. I'm saying just as a generic statement from what I've seen, I don't see groups of all black people going to the pub. It's not our scene. It's not. So 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 when people go, oh, we go to the pub every Thursday to get a beer. Okay, that's great. You just put a negative on your company right there. I'm not interested. It's just not inclusive. <laughs> it's just not. It's just not inclusive. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, yeah, they they're telling me as if that's a positive thing. Like, oh yeah, every Thursday we go to the pub, we have a great time. That's a as you. I've just marked that as a negative. It's like, like it's against like this company. I'm not even interested. It's like us being like, oh, so every Thursday we go to an Afrobeats bar. It's it's that kind of it's that kind of <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah, and we yeah. listen to Burner Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's Burner Boy though? Now that would be good enough. That would be good every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, 
I think it can be challenging and and you know loads of companies have tried to you know in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement protest and all that stuff have tried to make a step in the right direction whether it's a genuine one or not I don't know there's been a lot of posts either public or privately in companies talking about how they are allies to the movement and you know how they want to try to uplift and empower black employees a little bit more and then just to put this into perspective because we're talking a lot about you know how there's not a lot of black people who make up those c-suite positions so to drop another fact fact bomb on everyone so out of the big four audit and advisory companies there's 3,000 UK partners and 11 of those are black 3,000 3,000 UK partners and so these are like people. MDs yeah of 11% 3,000 is black what's that 11 1%? people are black is that less than 1% what's that I don't even know I don't know wait hold on let me work out the percentage right now 0.36%. That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. There are that only... says it all. Because, you know what? I've, one thing I noticed throughout my career, when I first started work, it was like lots of white people. You know, I was used to that. Also, the culture was different. You know, the work culture was like, we had to wear suits every day to work. As time went on, the culture changed. We're not wearing suits anymore. We're wearing jeans and a shirt, right? And as the work changed, they were doing a bit more DNI and a bit more black people were being hired, which I noticed. But it was always at the most junior levels, right? I never saw a change in the senior levels. I agree. Never. Because I I don't know the reason why. It's not because of talent. It's not because black people don't have talent. If someone's telling anyone that, that's an absolute lie. It's not true. But I, but well, I do know why. But there's, there's lots of like racism going on there, bias going on there, as to why people don't get promoted into those senior positions. There's also people picking their friends. Exactly. And do you want? Do you know what it is? Ultimately, you pick, you employ people who you feel connection with, who you feel like you remind me of me. Yeah. Or you have that bond with. If you're a black woman, I'm going. I'm just going to use myself. If I'm a black woman walking into a position now, and I'm being interviewed by a black older man, mm. you know he may have the nice of intention. Ultimately, he won't see. He, when he looks at me, he doesn't see himself in me. That's right. He just he and, just he just and, wouldn't. In the same way, I wouldn't see myself in him. I've, I've seen we've got two different so times. perspectives and seen, life experiences. I've seen managers that always take a guy under their wing, right? And they take that guy under their wing and that guy always gets the best in the projects and blah, blah, blah. But that guy is the perfect guy that reminds him of him when he was 20-something. Yeah. And, and, and then I'm there. Maybe I've got more talent. Maybe I'm kicking everything out of the park and stuff like that. But I won't be the one who takes under the wing and gives opportunities to. It will only be that guy. Yeah. You know, and um, and and until the landscape of who's in senior positions changes, it will always be that way. 
I don't know how to change that landscape without those senior people actually making a change themselves. I think it can it's, only come through them. It's them making a change themselves and being yeah. aware of their biases, which is considering will, these will people, take right? time because well, considering these people are in their forties, fifties, and sixties, right? They have to change their mindset of what they've been doing for a long time. Yeah, and, and, and it's different. But I'm not just. I don't want to say that all everyone out there has that mindset or yeah, you no. know I've been m- moves around with biases and they're totally unaware and they're just living in a land of like clouds and dreams and cookie That's land. Right. I've met people who are white, older men. Mm. Or, or women or whatever it is who are very much allies and for the cause and, and also, are very much aware of their privilege and their advantage and oh, even if they're not everything. aware even if they're not aware because let's be fair let's be real some of them are not quite aware of you know the things that we're talking about today right mm-hmm. but they still gave us an opportunity they still didn't put anything on them to say oh you remind me when i was 20 they didn't do all that they just said you're doing well, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And that's yeah. all they needed. It's all they needed. But if you have an, if they, someone gives you an opportunity as, you know, a junior grad out of uni, you then need someone all throughout your career to give you those opportunities to be able to get into those managerial, yeah. senior manager, C-suite positions. Give you that hand. Every someone needs to way. help you up. And if, and if you don't have... If you don't have someone helping you as a black individual, it can be hard, mm. especially if you're in a company where you're in an all white space and there is no one black and senior in your company. If you're in a company and there's like three black people and the company has 150 or 200 employees. I mean, life is just, just is just going to be difficult for you because you, 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 there's no one there that looks for you that can advocate for you. There's no one there who is who is in those positions already to say, yes, this can be done. And it's hard sometimes when you're in those positions to, to, to not feel like you're being treated differently because you're black. Because I've got no other example in the company to see where black people are treated, you know, equally sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Can I just say a story here? Or well, not not such a story, but something short. Since the George Floyd moment, um, companies have reacted. My company that I work for has also reacted. And um, they've had some like sessions with the whole company, everybody, all the employees. And they asked for personal stories from BAME people. Um, to explain the life that we live, you know, the the difference in our life mm. and, and how, you know, the difficulties that we face. And I remember they, there were three black people that told their stories. Um, a lot of people are American, so like American-based people, a lot of them American-based stories and, and some of them including police brutality or discrimination, something like that. Um, and there was also, there's one that stood out to me. It was not a black person. It was a Chinese person. Uh, or, or Chinese background, and um, and they said something that stood out to me. You know, they said, "I'm not. I'm. I think they were mixed, 
Chinese and white. Oh, no, sorry, not Chinese and white. I think they're Chinese, but born in America. Right. Right. Um, and they said, I'm not quite Chinese enough to be accepted by my Chinese people because I'm American. I speak the language and stuff like that, but I'm still American and they see me as American. But I'm not American enough to be American because they say I'm Chinese. Right. So it stood out to me because, yes, we hear this story all the time. You know, we're not, we're, we're used to this because as black people, we kind of go through the same thing. I'm not British enough to be British, but yeah. But it stood out to me because it was an opportunity as well for us to remember that there are other people going through discrimination, right? That not just black, it's not always black issues and things like that. These companies need to hire diverse, real diverse, yeah? And there needs to be, you know, that Chinese person needs to have other people, Chinese people around them um, who understands their culture as in their spaces. And do they go to the pub? You know, do, do they, do you, do, when you go into the, uh, the pub, do you see their people in, in groups and pub and, and stuff like that? Well, Where I'm, do they go? You yeah. know what I mean? What's, what's their scene? It's not our scene. What you said is sounded like a good scene, the Burner Boy Afrobeat thing. That sounded like a good scene. I'll go to that. <laughs> but, you know. Well, this is, yeah. And that's why I said, like, you know, diversity in all sense of the words, because it's not just getting more black people or whatever. It's people from different socioeconomic groups people who have disabilities people with different sexualities all of that stuff is is so so important um so yeah 100% agree I mean give an example you know when you go out to work you know drinks every Thursday for example what about the Muslim colleagues who don't drink Uh Uh you know so it's (laughs) We just need to be more mindful. And and sometimes it's the case that it's something that doesn't even cross your mind and you're completely oblivious to it. And I and I'm fully aware that because of my role as DNI lead, I'm very I'm very aware and heightened to a lot of different stuff. So it comes to my mind and I'm I'm aware that it comes to my mind a lot quicker because that's part of my job. But it is a responsibility and this is something that DNI leaders need to get across to their company and management need to get across to the company as well. That is everybody's responsibility to be thinking about this stuff. And it's everybody's responsibility to be calling out when something just doesn't quite feel right in the DNI spaces and for companies to put in place support routes for individuals if they need to escalate a particular thing that they've seen wrong or or, or, or a colleague needs support in a particular area, but ultimately everyone's responsible for calling out things that doesn't quite feel right. Mm. I've had experiences before where, um, which happened, you know, quite recently, where the client has commented on my physical appearance. Has that been my hair, my age, my height? Things that have been completely unacceptable. I've kind of said something to the client and kind of brushed it off a little bit, but ultimately, sometimes you don't always feel comfortable right there and there kind of squashing it or saying something and you need someone else to come in and and, and call out that behavior in a way it goes, oh, we don't comment on how anyone looks in this room because ultimately for anyone to be commenting on my age my height or my hair 
it's because they feel like they can do that and they wouldn't have commented on a white man's hair height or I love that. age. You know what? That's a whole other point that I don't hear all the time in diversity and inclusion. And that is, diversity and inclusion is not just about hiring and having people put in their senior positions. It's also about people who are, don't even, you know, your colleagues standing side by side with you. You yeah. both look different. You're both from two different backgrounds, but they stand up for you. But this is what I'm trying to say. You know? and Some people don't... <laughs> It's kind of an educational piece yeah. because some people won't even clock it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I feel like but I think me, there's me some, being, things, me there's being... some things that they can clock. Like if they if they mention, because ageism is a thing, right? Yeah. If they mention your age and say, you look a bit young to be here or something, something well, that, along those lines. That's exactly what they said. Someone should stand up, right? That's exactly what they, they The someone person said to me. And, and who's your colleague who was on your side of the wall mm. and say, no, we don't accept that. Well, no one you know did. I mean? No one did. The person actually said to me, you don't look old enough to be here. You look like you're 16. Straight out of mm. school. And I was completely thrown because I, like people will tell me that I look young but people not at work, <laughs> you know, in my personal life or whatever, in the shops or something like that. I've never had it at work where someone's been so explicit and said it so publicly in a room where I was leading a workshop with a room full of 30 odd people or whatever it was. So, yeah, but again, it doesn't come to people's minds as quickly and I think when you're, you know, position that I'm in, D&I lead, but also being black or being part of a minority group or an oppressed group, you just pick up on cues just so much quicker. Like, yeah. you're just so much, like, when I go into an all-white space, I'm so aware of my blackness. Yeah. I'm so aware that I'm different and I'm other, that anything that's said, I just pick on it straight away. Yeah. But I just don't think that those other white people or whoever it is is in the room is picking up on the fact that I'm the only black person. I, they're not, they're sometimes, I think, so, they, sometimes I, I think if they've seen you, they've picked up you and the black person for sure. Maybe, but sometimes I think, so, sometimes I think when you're not an ethnic minority, I think you're, you're not so up unaware of color that you don't even see it. No, no, no. They're aware of color. I don't know, they, you know. They, they're just not some of the comments of I've the heard comments some people tell me, I and mean. the impact of the comments. I think they're aware of color. They see you. They're not aware of the words that is is being said by them or somebody else, and the impact of those words, right? They they okay because, fair because it has those impact on those words has no impact on them. Yeah. But because it has no impact on them, they don't feel anything, and they think as long as as long as they didn't say the n word to you, if they said that, they know they they understand the impact of that word because mm. of the historical context of it, right? But just to say something about your hair, it's just like, oh, just comment about your hair. Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually, you're right. And I guess it comes back down to what we said before about those microaggressions. Because I remember when I was <clears throat> looking for a wedding dress, I remember going into a shop and the woman saying to me, oh, but you're so exotic looking. This is going to look really nice against your skin. Ooh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I want to leave. <laughs> And I don't know if anyone out there has gone <laughs> wedding shop dressing, but to give you a bit of an idea of what it's like, this you walk in... Does it sound creepy? Like, 
This one is so good against your skin. <laughs> You're like, oh, what is she going to do? Is she going to peel my skin and sell it on the black market? <laughs> but to give people a bit of an idea of just, just to set the scene as why this was so creepy, um, for those who haven't gone wedding, looking for a wedding dress before, but you walk into the shop, you pick out the dresses that you want, and... Because these dresses are so, or the dresses that I was looking at were so big and complicated to get into, one someone from the shop, a shop assistant, actually walks into the fitting room with you and helps you put on the dress. So obviously, if they're going into the room with you, you're not wearing very much. So you kind of are just in your underwear or may even be topless because some of the dresses, you know, you don't wear a bra for. Mm-hmm. So the woman's telling me this whilst I'm in my most, most vulnerable state in the fitting room, in my underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Where you can already be a little bit self-conscious because you've got a big mirror of yourself and then also someone else you've never seen before is seeing you for the first time in your underwear or potentially, you know, just in your panties. So she's telling me this at that moment where I'm wearing very little clothes. (laughs) So it's the strangest strangest thing ever and... um, when we left the room I mentioned it to my mum and she was like oh I knew you was gonna she, we both picked up on it she was like I knew you was gonna <laughs> say something straight away because it was strange <laughs> I got many other strange comments said to me when I was getting my wedding dress fitted, fitted I got, but I, I won't go more. into that I got one more I mean I once worked for the company for a company and they wanted to move into a new London building yeah and um um, they, 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 they were renting a building that was like too small. We were starting to get cramped up on the desk and stuff like that. So we moved building into a new one, open plan, massive windows covering all sides of the building, mm. bright light, um, open plan workspace, all modern and that, right? And this was only three years ago. Or okay, like so that. recent. Very recently. But there was no disabled toilet. Oh, now. And wait, wait. By disabled, do you mean uh, wheel wheelchair accessible? Not, not just that. Just even if you had a walking stick or you needed assistance to sit down on the toilet, there was no facilities for that. Oh my days! Right, they moved into this building. Not once did they think about That's poor. that. Right now, I noticed this because I don't need that assistance. Right. I'm looking at the toilet facilities. I notice one. There's only one toilet here, and unisex. Then no, one for men, one for women. Okay. And it was quite small, and um, I don't see a disabled one. And I used to work with somebody who like needed a wheelchair and stuff. Oh yeah. And I remember, you know, if you needed assistance, where would you go? And I realised there's nowhere to go here. You couldn't work here if you needed that. And they never considered it. And that's And uh, and I find that shocking because that's a big company. Yeah. That's not that's not you no, know, we're not talking about a fifty man band where they're looking to work in I don't know if we work is is um wheelchair accessible, but it's not somewhere like that where you're just kind of renting out a room or anything. It's like a proper Yeah. It's a big organisation where Things like that should have been thought about. Yeah. So another example of DNI, you know, for all people, 
I give you an, give you another story as of it as we're going through the story mill <laughs> of, of just different things that happen and how people sometimes don't think. So I was in an office with a col um sorry in, the, in a lift with a colleague. And she was like, oh my gosh, my hair's so greasy, my hair's so greasy. Nicole, what do you think? Do you think my... and she's white. She's like, oh, Nicole, do you think my hair's greasy? And I was like, um, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. And she was like, oh, but what do you think though? This just like, it looks really greasy. Like, And she's like there putting her hands in her hair and trying to get me to answer. And again, I'm just like, oh, I don't really know. And she's pushing and pushing me, pushing me for an answer. And I had to say her, say to her, listen, we don't have the same hair type. I have absolutely no idea what your greasy hair for a white person looks like. <laughs> you need to go and ask someone else. And you need to go into the office and ask somebody else who's going to know. I said, we just, and this I, is... I, I'm absolutely, no, I cannot advise you on this. Because yeah. and... I genuinely don't know. Because I don't have your hair type. Yeah. And she <laughs> needs to speak to someone in her own community group. Who, who knows? understands Who's her in the culture and her background and can and talk yeah. to her about that type of stuff. And she kind of laughed it off and was like, ha, 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 don't be so silly. And I was like, no, I'm being deadly honest. I have no idea what <laughs> what greasy hair for a white person looks like. So, so yeah, just another story there um, of, how, of how sometimes things are. Yes. So what can these companies do to, to help? So we've spoken already about kind of hiring diverse talent. Um, so again, I'll just reiterate, that will be things like, you know, looking at diverse recruitment boards and looking to advertise your jobs there. So go, instead of going through your standard conventional routes that you use at the moment to, to hire individuals, exploring other options and seeing what's out there. And then once you do have that talent walk through the door really think about what can you do to make them feel included in that in that company culture mm. it's all well and good having you know more black people in the company but if they're just going to stay there for a year and leave because they don't feel included or don't feel like they're getting promoted or the same equal opportunities then it's just an absolute waste of time whenever you hire marginalized groups they need to feel like their voices are heard and that they've got a seat at the table and I just hear from way too many friends that that is just not the case. That just does not happen. Think about what can you do to elevate these marginalized groups and make sure their voices are heard. And if you have a problem with that, if anyone, you know, if you have a problem with, with oh, why, why do they deserve more attention than others? You really need to sit and really think about why you have that viewpoint and sit back and look at the research and statistics because at the moment black people are not represented in senior positions in companies like they're just not so special attention needs to be given to them in the same way that special attention is given to trying to hire senior women in this, into senior positions it's the exact same thing just for black people but there is a problem with companies and being able to talk properly and have conductive you know meaningful conversations about race in the workplace for some yeah. reason People workplaces like dodge race so much if you cannot have, have a conversation, conversation about it if you have a conversation sometimes an open conversation or something like that with people in the company people like to blank out they like to think they're not the problem and um they don't need to do anything about it 
or you know and i'm just talking about your you know your colleague i'm not even talking about the senior people i'm just talking about your colleagues your peers they like to blank out of the conversation you know oh here we go again and all that stuff do you you know what book i would highly recommend people to read it's probably it's one that was read i think it got to the bestseller spot during lockdown but if you haven't read it i'd highly and this is for black people as well to read why I'm no longer speaking to white people about race. Mm-hmm. It's such an insightful book, which I'm sure many black people who are listening now could resonate with and identify with, but it's so insightful and it's such a good book to be able to, you know, pick a few bits from it and equip yourself and be able to speak to your white colleagues or friends about it because I think sometimes when we want to speak to our friends about race we don't have the language to use and I think um, this particular book is really really good about you know giving people the tools and, and the language to use um, when having those types of conversations. I think there's a few more tips. Yeah that can be used. Um, So second one is caring about diversity and inclusion all year round. So making sure that, you know, we had the murder of of George Floyd, we had the Black Lives Matter movement protests kind of going around earlier this year. We want to make sure that this is not just something that companies put up a post to say hashtag Black Lives Matter, do a bit of DNI training and that's it. All done, job done, don't do anything more. Sit back and relax until the next protest happens. That's not it. We need to be put, applying pressure to the DNI functions to be making sure that they're thinking about this all year round. They're actively making change through policy making, decision making, training, and all of that good stuff, communication having kind of really open conversation with employees and then second and then th- finally just caring about black employees as well and I think it's really really important that you know um, companies care about black have a genuine care about black employees and a genuine want to get them up into to, to senior positions and then for us as black people to make sure that we just continue to have these conversations about what it's like, how we feel being in all white places, what tactics, what tools can we use to navigate these spaces, navigate these rooms and, you know, experiences of microaggressions. Also. Having those conversations as us as like working in a city, black professionals and how we're coping. Because I think when we have more of those conversations, we can learn from each other and get tips and tricks and things like that and the more we learn from each other we're building up a strong community amongst ourselves but we can also bring that back into the workplace as well um ultimately the aim is or the one is is for us all to walk into the workplace and bring our authentic selves to work and feel like we don't have to put on you know our 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 work voice or have our you know work persona or whatever it is but the fact of the matter is the way that I am at home and the way that I am at work or the way I'm in my personal life, the way that I am at work, is two different versions of me. It's two different Nicoles. Yeah. And you've seen that, like, as I'm working from home, Stephanie will see the difference as I'm on calls and things like that. And we want to get to a place where things kind of are a bit more, you don't feel like you have to change and, and switch it up. 
but I think for the time being that's the way many people feel so how can we make sure that we make the most of our work persona as possible and leveraging the tips that the community the black community have to make sure we're making the most of ourselves at, you know when we bring our work persona into the workplace we just need to make sure that we are elevating ourselves as much as possible and we're showing people every single day why we deserve to be in those spaces and why we deserve to be in those positions and calling out microaggressions, racism, prejudice, all of that stuff when we see it or, or, or having someone in HR or your manager or whatever that you feel like you can talk to about these things as well. I think that's really good tips. Yeah. I think we're good to wrap it up there then. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll just end it there and, yeah, we'll catch up with everyone next week. Bye. Bye. If you have any questions or dilemmas, email us on ordinaryblackprofessionals at gmail.com or we can be found on Instagram and Twitter at ordinaryblackprofessionals. Also, don't forget to follow us, subscribe and leave a rating and comment. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.